Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, friends. This is the New Story Podcast with me, Rebecca Conran. And uh, this week we're talking about healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships. It's a two-part, a two-parter podcast. The first part is we're going to talk about um, how and why unhealthy relationships manifest. What do they look like? What do they feel like? Um, what makes codependent relationships such? And then the second part is going to be about um, what makes a healthy relationship thrive and stay healthy, uh, even through times of our individual healing. Some of the things that are coming up in the collective astrology, some upcoming transit dates to um, take note of first and foremost. Um, Sunday, the 23rd of October, that's tomorrow. I'm recording this and uh, today is Saturday and I'm going to get this up. Saturn is going to turn direct. It's been retrograde and it's turning direct at Aquarius 19. So Saturn is very much about our limitations, our, um, how to be disciplined, um, how to be our own self-authority. It's father energy providing and being of service to our feeling being selves. And, um, it also is related to karma. You know, a lot of the lessons that we're here to, to really learn our way through. And at Aquarius 19, this energy is all about how to turn misfortune into successful adventure um, it's about dealing with emergencies, having to really, ha- how we deal with emergencies, um, whether we fear life experience because we fear the could, what could happen instead of living in the present, or if we are not living our experiences because we don't want to recreate the past. And so that's keeping us in a sort of paralyzed state in the present of anxiety and fear. So all of this energy is going to be culminating around this, um, Saturn direct. Another transit that we have, um, coming up is Monday, the 24th. We've got Venus entering Scorpio. And then next weekend on the 30th, we've got Mercury entering Scorpio and we've got Mars stationing Gemini, Mars stationing retrograde in Gemini at the 26th degree. And so we have this quick succession of quite a few uh, big changes going on for us. Obviously the planets are, most of the faraway planets are retrograde 50% of the year. It's not uncommon or weird, but when that energy does does shift, we do feel a difference. So with Saturn shifting, we may have felt really limited, maybe pulled back. And now we'll start to feel a little bit of difference in that, not fully because Mars is going retrograde, right? So Mars is like how we exert our energy. And Saturn is kind of our goals, more big picture energy. So in some ways we will feel less restriction, like we can move forward with certain goals and ideas. And then we may feel that it's still going to progress slowly, right? We're going to still have to be very patient with the Mars uh, stationing retrograde. 
one of the points of reference for the uh, Gemini 26 degree is normal life is brought to a point of sharp suspension so that the larger magic may be manifest. Normal life is brought to a point of sharp suspension so that the larger magic may be manifest. I would say when there's a lot of kind of, especially with Mars and Gemini, when there's a lot of mental energy going on, uh, getting grounded, being in the body, your kind of food ritual, your fitness ritual, those kinds of things, uh, being in nature is more important than ever to help your nervous system, to just balance your nervous system. And then with these shifts, now we're entering into the Scorpio season. Um, this is so important, uh, what we're talking about with relationships, because it's all connected. It's all connected to this deep, vulnerable, getting to know ourselves uh, work that we're doing. And a big part of that is how we are, how we get to know ourselves through the reflection of other. And um, that's why relationships are so important for us, really, because that is how we get to really see our own reflection, is through our connection to others. All right, so we've got this, you know, shift coming up. And, w and whenever we have these years where Mars and Venus turn retrograde, I think we do look at our relationships more fully. I don't know about you, but this has really been something that's been coming up a lot and not just romantic relationships. I mean, you can apply what we're going to talk about to really any relationships, family relationships, friend relationships. And typically, if you have unhealthy boundaries um, and unhealthy behaviors going on in one type of relationship, you're probably going to see it expressed elsewhere, too. Um, but, you know, Mars also is related to sex and our desires. Venus, which went retrograde earlier in the year, related to how we need to feel loved and how we need to be loving. And so, of course, romance comes up there, and that's one of our society's, you know, biggest ideals, right, is, is finding partnership. So much of our society is really built on how to find partnership and the necessity to procreate and all those kinds of things that people feel. So we've got these points coming up here. We've got this over the next 10 days how do we experience the present and can we experience our difficulties at, with a sense of adventure? Um, I know that feels can feel like a slap in the face when you're going through a hard time. You don't want to be like, I'm definitely not saying, find the positive in it, but in some ways it is about um, working within those difficulties as an optimist rather than a pessimist. And mainly that's just because that's usually the way that we get out of those things. If we don't believe something is going to shift for the better, it probably isn't going to. It needs our intention behind it as well. So we, this is about kind of finding those uh, places of optimism. That doesn't mean not feeling our feelings. That doesn't mean putting a nice, happy spin on things. Uh, it really just means, at the end of the day, it could just mean... I know I'm going to get through this. That might be as optimistic as you can be. You know, 
that at, at some point I'm going to understand this more. And at the very least, I'm just going to be able to get through this. I'm going to get myself through this no matter what it is. And, um, that along with, you know, this, this point, this Gemini 26, normal life is brought to a point of sharp suspension, right? So normal life is like, is coming on pause a little bit. And why? So that something bigger can be made manifest. Um, and how it's going to be made manifest is probably through some discomfort of what it feels like when we've all, we were all there. We were all there during the pandemic, right? When life came to suspension and we had to contend with ourselves. And so in a lot of ways, we know how to do this. We've done this before. And if we can do this time, experience this time with a sense of, um, you know, I'm going to get through this. I've done this before. Uh, it's not going to kill me. What, what happens here? I just need to be in my conscious choice and my conscious awareness to facilitate an easier time. We've all learned a lot. So let's use that wisdom to get through this experience that we're going to get through too. And I'm not saying it's going to be terrible either. Maybe we really need that rest. You know, you might really relish the kind of, um, slowing down that a Mars, uh, retrograde is going to ask of us, but it really is asking, is going to ask us to slow down. Um, and it's not a, uh, question. It's a statement. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to say, Hey, can you slow down? It's going to just say, Hey, slow down. So let's talk a little bit about unhealthy relationships. Um, and, um, you know, I think I've talked a lot on this podcast throughout the years about my own um, state of being in relation to others. Um, but if there's new listeners, I will repeat some of that now. Um, I was, what's the cut and dry way for me to say all of this? Um, I don't want to go on a, a long ta tangent, as you know me for. I was... Uh, one of two children, the youngest in a family. Uh, I was born in England. My parents were very unhappy when I was born uh, with their lives, with one another. They were in a very contentious and um, emotionally and sometimes physically abusive way of relating with one another. And um, my... Mother was very depressed my whole childhood, and I think she had a lot of postpartum depression that was never realized or tuned into, and my dad was a workaholic, and so uh, I both saw a parent that was never home, and at one point he even moved to America for a year when I was seven to kind of set up set up a life here. So we didn't have him at home for a year. I didn't see him. And, uh, then I had a mom who was a housewife, um, because that was kind of the eighties, you know, Orthodox Christian way, uh, of doing things and, um, living a totally unfulfilled life. Um, I don't think I, I don't remember a time in my childhood when I didn't just see my mom with laying down, um, sleeping almost every single day. And so my earliest, um, 
connection to relationships was uh, very, it was wrought with a lot of pain. You know, I was observing a lot of pain. I, I was experiencing a lot of neglect. And I was also experiencing on another side a lot of negative attention, um, like to do with the Orthodox religious belief system. So when I um, left home and I got, I, I decided I didn't want to be a part of the religion and I got kicked out when I was 16. I had just graduated high school. And a lot of my ideas about relationships had been formed from these insane beliefs about women and sexuality from this Christian religion I was a part of, uh, where you shouldn't masturbate and you, there's like actual, you know, um, literature on why, you know, you have to have a chaperone if you go anywhere there's no sex before marriage. There's everything is really, really shame based. And I had been shamed and shunned by my congregation at one point. And when I decided I didn't want to be part of that religion, my family shunned me. A lot of them just never spoke to me again. And, um, all of this information, um, you know, being called, like a slut and a whore for holding hands with a boy or something like that. And all of this pressure, um, really when I, when I left home, I was so naive and just really, I had no clue about what a healthy relationship might be. I think every single message I had, including, um, like a child abuse from a, from a, uh, person who went to the same church to uh, a man that went to that school who abused me like every single message that I think I received when I was a young when I was a young person um was unhealthy it was really unhealthy bad boundaries terrible nobody listening to one another nobody really conscious of their choices just this unconscious um like uh, expression of the really the worst sides of everybody and just really being immersed in that. And I don't think I'm, I'm alone in that. I think most people are experiencing that for better or for worse. And I don't think we know when we're young or when we're teens or even when we're in our twenties, um, that we've been in a damaging, uh, experience. I think that's something that you unfold as you become more responsible yourself as you learn how to be in charge of your own behaviors, you start to kind of see like all the patterns and where it all fits together. So as I got older in my te late teens and my early twenties, I became a drug addict. I struggled with addiction, uh, with all kinds of addiction work. I was a workaholic. I was, um, probably a sex addict. You know, I definitely was so promiscuous. I got a lot of my validation from um, being attractive to whoever and having sex with them, having that kind of like pleasure experience, um, which can be a lot like taking drugs too. You know, it, it lasts in the short term and not in the long term. And that's kind of the thing about addiction is it's very like instant gratification based. When I was 27, uh, 26, 25 to 27, 
I was in an extremely abusive relationship. I mean, my partner was uh, just, it was just everything was just crippling me emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, I would say that my partner was the perfect mirror of me at that time because I hated myself. You know, I think I was really self-loathing. And they perfectly mirrored what that experience was externally, you know, because it was, it, you know, all of the, the terrible things that happened in that relationship, just absolutely beyond, um, were really a reflection of just the state I was in, in terms of myself, you know, um, and just a deep, deep self-loathing. And uh, I don't want to get into all the gory details of that, but when that relationship ended, um, because he impregnated somebody else, huge blessing for me, to be honest with you, because it really severed ties for me and um, gave me this ability to just really go off on my own. And before that, I had been in relationships back to back, And then I took about 10 years to commit to anybody fully. And um, during that time, I thought I was committed a few different times, but the relationships only seemed to last like three to six months. Um, And um, I took a long, long time to really grow and heal. And I really put my spiritual path to the front and center my main objective, my main goal, my main experience was the betterment of my internal experience. And so I learned over 10 years to unfold my own codependency, to look at the roots of it, to come to understanding of myself so that I could even improve the situation that I was in where I called a partner in who was an equal, who was working on themselves, who loved themselves too. Um, And, you know, my whole point in sharing all of this as well is to say that it takes time. It's so subtle, the information. I mean, I've cried with my practitioners for years over not getting it. And, um, thankfully they knew cause they'd been there, what I was experiencing and they knew that at some point it would break and, you know, the clouds would break and the sun would shine through and I would figure out the piece of the puzzle that was missing. So the first thing I want to say here about unhealthy relationships is that, um, I really feel for you. I feel a deep, deep compassion for how frustrating it is to not know what it is that you're quote unquote not doing right, right? To call in that partner that you want because that's how it feels. It always feels like, God, if I could just figure out what I wasn't doing right, I could just, and if I could just mentally put all these pieces together, then I'd get it, then it would all work out. Well, you know, I think with this type of healing, you really have to expect the unexpected. 
um, you will have figured it out and you won't know you'll figure you've figured it out until you're living in the experience that shows it to you. It's not something that's going to click in your mind. It's going to be the way that you experience your relationship with another person in a different way. So let's talk about the negative experience. You know, what makes a codependent, and I'm, I'm using codependent relationship as a blanket term, but really I want to say unhealthy relationships because there are different various amount uh, extremes to relationships, you know. Um, some can be extremely abusive. Some can be more subtle, you know. It's, it's not that there's a, a tremendous abuse going on, but the dynamic is off. It just doesn't feel right, and we feel lonely, and we feel... Uh, unseen, unheard, unloved, um, and we're not really loving to our full capacity either. So what are some of the, um, like textbook symptoms of an unhealthy relationship? Well, some of them are having no boundaries, right? No respect of boundaries and, and personal time and personal experience. Um, people-pleasing behaviors, like doing whatever you can to make sure that your partner doesn't leave you. Um, that is a, a very unhealthy symptom and a huge warning sign that your relationship is not a, in a strong place because you're not in a strong place. If you're worried that something you do will end your relationship and so you are acting differently, um, inauthentically, um, your relationship is, is, is bound to blow up at some point because where there's not genuine authenticity within a relationship, there's denial and there's deceit. And I don't mean that in a way of like uh, an intentional thing, but there's someone is deceiving themselves and uh, someone is in denial of what's true. And those sort of secrets that we hold about ourselves are going to be revealed at some point. Uh, unhealthy relationships where reacti reactivity uh, is 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 paramount, where people are exceptionally reactive. You know, you go to have a conversation. Oh my God, I can't believe you're bringing this up again. You know, um, that kind of behavior is a real signal of an unhealthy uh, dynamic. And some of these, uh, on their own, can be worked on in a relationship. You probably will have things in a healthy relationship that need to be worked on. But a partner needs to be able to see that they um, need to work on it and take active steps to do so. If there's unhealthy, ineffective communication going on, any kind of manipulation, no emotional intimacy or a real difficulty with that, um, people being controlling, needing to control, where are you, what are you doing, um, having to like, you know, know everything that's going on with your partner is, is quite controlling or being, trying to control how they do everything and live their lives, you know, their schedule for things. And, um, I would say it would fall under controlling behaviors, blaming each other, not being able to kind of see that, Every relationship is a two-way two street. Low self-esteem of one or both the partners, um, which is not a, it's, 
again, this is not something that is to say, oh, my relationship's garbage if, you have, if you're suffering from low self-esteem and so is your partner. Again, it's the willingness to be authentic about what you're struggling with, communicate it, be vulnerable around it, and work on it. Um, and then no personal interests or goals outside of the relationship. These are all the mile markers of like very, you know, having all of that is very unhealthy, obviously, but a lot of relationships have some of these things. Um, one important thing that I learned researching relationships is that, um, you know, these, there are some scientific data collecting groups that study relationships and they've studied, you know, tens of thousands of relationships over many years, sometimes 20, 30 years. And they find that a, a relationship, relationships are not um, more successful when both partners are perfect and they're just better human beings and they don't, they're never annoying or whatever. That's not true, okay? A apparently, across the board, all partnerships struggle with people being individuals, people being annoying and having differences and being opposites sometimes and needing to find compromise and common ground. The only difference between a successful relationship and an unsuccessful relationship is, a par is the partner's willingness to um, work together and to be a team and to work on their relationship and to show up and be responsible for themselves. And so these imperfections that we can experience, we're going to have difficulty with emotional intimacy. Sometimes things are hard to say. Sometimes we will be reactive. Um, we may go through a period where we feel insecure and low self-esteem. What makes a healthy relationship is a partner that's willing to work on it for themselves and the other partner being willing to also work on themselves and to allow one another that space and room and intimacy and support to be these autonomous individuals working on themselves to heal and to just show up for one another as needed. Okay, but where the unhealthy relationship comes in is where partners are reliant on one another. Um, that feeling of I'm incomplete without this person, this person makes me whole is a very unhealthy dynamic. Uh, one partner may function as a caregiver the other, or, or a savior. The other one maybe functions as needs saving, needs fixing. One may be the victim in the relationship. One could be the perpetrator. Uh, one gives, one takes. But make no mistake, even though there are these like opposite sides to the, to the magnet of codependency, both are equally responsible for the state of the codependency in the relationship. Um, so it's not just that, you know, I go back to kind of that whole idea from the past I don't know if this is still an idea now, but when I was like in my early days of my spiritual path, it was all about like, um, you know, the twin soul relationship and um, empaths and narcissists. And, you know, ultimately what we're explaining with these kind of dynamics is a codependent relationship. I mean, 
that is, it's, it's not necessarily this, uh, impeccable spiritual tool for our souls to align. It's also an unhealthy, uh, sort of, I don't want to say mental illness, but I want to say it's part of like a mental dysfunction, you know, or a, a dysfunction, emotion, an emotional dysfunction in how we, uh, facilitate that. And I think some of those labels, um, like empath, narcissist also create this, um, lack of responsibility. You know, uh, when I was teaching my empath courses, you know, the thing to remember is everybody has the capacity to feel deeply what's going on and to have that kind of, uh, emotional wisdom and connection turned up. And it's our responsibility to figure out how, if we're allowing it in a toxic way or in a helpful way and to create those boundaries around it. So when our relationship is an, uh, in an unhealthy state, it is in a state of both partners allowing it to be unhealthy. And that is um, something that I believe is true of my extremely abusive relationship that I was in. I think that I was very much, it was a dangerous situation. It was extremely toxic. Um, and I didn't leave it because that was part of my, um, self abuse, you know, was to see it played out in that way. And it's a lot to unfold all of that. And it takes, there's no judgment here. You know, this is not, I'm not in any way having this, sharing this to be like judgmental, but to say that the power really is in your hands to shift these unhealthy ways that we're relating. So there's various levels to unhealthy relationships and not all of them look extreme. And really how you feel is the quantifier. Are you extremely lonely in your relationship? Are you overwhelmed or exhausted? You know, if so, then you may be functioning in addictive relationship patterns. If you function that way in romance, it probably exists within your family or friend structures too. And, you know, in these types of unhealthy relationships, motivations and manipulations are caught up in our connection with the other, meaning we feel we can only survive when our self-worth is somehow quantified by another human being, by their approval or their presence, even if it's a negative presence. We can feel that our lives are only worth living with a certain other. Um, we don't know who we are if we're not caretaking or if we're not uh, with somebody else in, in that kind of enmeshed, uh, partnership. We might not feel lovable if someone's not caring for us. And, and, uh, our neediness is an expression of, um, that sort of motivation too. So these types of attachments in my experience are absolutely a form of addiction. And as a former drug addict, I can tell you, um, my personal experience, I've said this before on this podcast, that an addiction and withdrawal to another human being is absolutely as painful as coming off of heroin. And I've experienced both of those things. And I think it is, I say that because 
so much compassion and care needs to be given in the subject of addiction within the realm of relationship and, and our connection with other humans. Um, instead of what happens, which is, you know, we're thrown these rule books to follow, another set of idealistic beliefs that somehow, you know, by doing A, B, and C, you'll catch your partner and make them stay. Um, you know, I think a lot of the rhetoric that exists around relationships is just not helpful at all. Um, it's, it's not helpful to be like, wait four days to call your partner and blah, 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 play hard to get whatever all those, all that kind of game playing is when you're with a healthy person, um, there's already a level of, uh, showing up and trust that you will experience within that person of integrity, um, that, you know, all those rules get thrown out the fucking window anyway. Those are really all those kinds of rules that exist of how to catch a partner. And those are really rules for codependent relationships. Those are rules of uh, manipulation and snarement rather than empowerment and interdependency. So all of this is really hard to reconcile uh, what an inappropriate way to function is in relationships because we see so much of it mirrored externally through our society. You know, almost all songs, movies, and books dedicated to romance glorify codependent ideas, um, including self-help help books. A lot of self-help books can even be, um, you know, taken to task over their sort of promotion of um unhealthy dynamic really and an unwillingness to really get to the root of our unhealthy relationship dynamics which is true self-help which is becoming whole within yourself and being your own best friend and that doesn't mean being perfect that means having a sense of connection to self that is empowering and unwavering so that you know that you are all good in relationship, out of a relationship, a relationship is a nice thing to have. It is not everything that you have. It is not, it doesn't make you lovable or unlovable. You go into the relationship knowing you're loving and lovable and worthy. You, you leave that relationship if it's, if it's not the right fit with the same, uh, expression of self connection. Um, and it's, it's hard to get to that place, especially when you come from a, these subtle dynamics in childhood that um, was everything but a, a healthy way of relating with another human being. You know, so the first thing to do in this moment, if you're struggling, is also to just take a deep breath and feel a deep sense of love for yourself that you're just doing the best that you can and that that is enough. It's enough. And sometimes it, it's, it takes a great deal of effort to, to see our way through to love having experienced, um, dire straits at some point or another, you know, the, uh, the, it, an extreme absence of love we may have experienced. So, um, Looking at society, you know, part of the codependent and unhealthy relationship um, ideology is finding the one. 
the one who completes us, um, which then creates this narrative that marriages and relationships that end are just failures. We failed, we wasted our time. Um, and this idea that we're meant to experience only one relationship in our lives, that's really the failure. It is, it is that idea and belief system and value system. Finding out what you like and need in relationships is a pre prerequisite to healthy relationships. You know, I wouldn't know what I didn't like in terms of what I eat if I hadn't tried it. And then some things I never need to try again. You know, um, there's, there's something to be said for, especially in a society that doesn't know how to let people explore their own individuality as a natural instinctive state, um, we have to allow ourselves that time, that patience, that energy to find what works. Um, and this narrative that we have as a society about marriage and finding the one and these sort of goals that we have that quantify our self-worth, when we reach those goals, we find oh, actually, it doesn't quantify my self-worth, and this is not what it's all about. And that is, I think, what a lot of people are experiencing in the world. They're experiencing how love is an inside job, and it's easier for people who are older to have healthier relationships. Many people do find longevity in relationships and um, true connection in relationships when they're older, because of the experience that they bring to the table. My partner is nine years older than me. He's been divorced twice. He has a child. And those are all things that if I met him, you know, 20 years ago, he would have been like, you know, we were both fuck boys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that was our experience. We would have met each other as fuck boys and had a nice experience in that way. And, uh, and then, um, it would not be the relationship that it is now because we have experience now. We know like our own path. We know our own patterns. We know ourselves and life has taught us that we're going to be okay. You know, we'll get through things. And that's something that only life experience can, can give to you. So the way that our societies connect to love, romance, marriage, and relationships, it's really been set up to make us believe that we're failures. And I think this is across the board. This isn't just with romance. This is with career and having some kind of like security, uh, which is nearly impossible in, in the, our day and age because of capitalism. It is so hard for people to have anything when greedy billionaires are really hoarding all the wealth of the world. And so society has set us up in these roles, both women and men, in these roles that are just frankly just too animalistic for our evolved selves. You know, now intellect and empathy have come into the picture. The environment and the environment of our relationships has changed but society's ideas have stayed the same. So in order to unfold our unhealthy relationship dynamics too, we have to also look at belief systems that really belong in a time, a, a time that has gone by. 
It is not where we live today. Um, and see where our own beliefs about relationships and roles within relationships are still unevolved and are still holding us in this place of recreating the patterns of our parents and their parents and their parents instead of coming from a genuine place of what we truly want and what we truly desire. The expectations of our parents' generation and those of our ancestors, they were built on these foundations of necessity and survival. Women had no rights at all. Um, I don't think women could even have um, bank accounts until the 70s in the U.S. or 80s even. Um, so women had to be reliant on their husbands to live in the world. So marriage was in oftentimes a way of survival. And for men, they had to get married because they needed to provide the heirs to continue the legacy of life or their lives would seem meaningless because that was, those were the roles that were going on. Those were the belief systems and um, the state that people were in. Now, as our world goes through the spiritual, emotional, physical, and mental breakthrough, we see more and more that it's our belief systems and the behaviors that stem from those systems that create unhealthy and unhappy people. So we're here and we understand that we must be in our choice. We must be living in a present way. We must be living in a way that the meaning uh, of life is provided from moment to moment for us rather than um, like accruing possessions or the idea of a child living to continue our uh, life after we're dead, right? So shifting the artificial mind out of ideas based in these systems, however difficult it must be uh, to do so is also part of unraveling our unhealthy relationships. Um, one of the most empowering things for me was when I realized that I don't want to have my own children. Um, and even a lot of my friends who have children, they're like, oh, you'll change your mind, blah, blah, blah. I feel like it's very hard for people to conceptualize someone who does not want to have their own children. And it's not for lack of loving children. Um, it's that I just don't see that as part of my path here. Um, except for um, adopting or fostering, you know, when I'm a little bit older, that's something that is definitely a goal for mine is to take care of children, but not to have my own. I have no feeling of that. I have no connection to wanting to get married. Um, that's not something that I feel is a necessity in my life. It's not a, a marker. Um, and... I'm not saying that to dissuade anybody from having those kind of markers. I'm just saying that when we find our own genuine um, desires, it's extremely freeing. Um, it's extremely uh, uplifting and empowering to find out what your particular individual needs and desires truly are that are not part of your family's story that are not part of society's story. So, you know, as we unfold 
unhealthy relationships, we also have to look at our own goals and where those are coming from. Um, Why do unhealthy relationships manifest? You know, to me, they manifest as an expression, an external expression of your internal process. So unhealthy relationships to anything, food, people, sex, work, it is a window into something internal that needs your care that maybe you are applying the wrong pressure to or you are, you're seeing it outwardly manifest really what's going on within you, um, whether that's a conflict going on within you or an unhealed hurt. Um, and so the best advice that I've found of on learning how to heal toxic or stressful relationships really has everything to do with self-responsibility, self-care, and ultimately finding a partner willing to do the same sort of work as you. If you find yourself in in an unhealthy relationship, ultimately you should turn your attention away from the relationship and into yourself. This is a way that the relationship may evolve and heal from that, um, or you may choose to let the relationship go, but without looking within and without looking firmly and straight at yourself, these unhealthy dynamics that we come across with others cannot be healed or worked on. So if you find yourself, you're longing for someone who can take care of you, What you actually may need to look at is your relationship with your caretakers, AKA your parents. And if you've been inadvertently looking for a mother or father figure instead of an equal partner, your partner isn't here to be your caretaker and you're not here to be theirs. Although that can be part of an equal partnership at times, right? You, you certainly can be, uh, a, um, giving and, uh, and caring person, but there's a big difference between my partner makes the bed one day. I do the dishes this day. He's going to work. So I help him make his lunch. Then he does something for me. Like, you know, there's a big difference between that and recreating family dynamics and the need to be held like a baby is something that you have to really learn how to do for yourself. And as long as you're looking for that externally in a partner and you make your partner into a mother or a father, you are going to be recreating unhealthy childhood dynamics. So, you know, our partners are here to show us things about ourselves so that we can continue to evolve and grow. They really help us to survive in the world by usually adding something new to the pot, right? That's why opposite partners are often very opposite, can be very opposite in that, um, there's some information that we learn through the other and there's ways of working together as a team that are more beneficial together than apart. But, you know, um, this type of relationship where we're a part of a team is much different from a parent and a child, 
kind of an attachment. And a lot of times unhealthy relationships mirror um, these unhealthy attachments. And, and as a child, you know, I often in my, as a codependent, experienced just extreme neglect from partners, you know, um, they would just show up when they wanted to. And, um, I would just do everything I could to just be there from that for them. And, uh, I just was always feeling like just unloved, like someone wasn't there for me. And ultimately I was recreating my parent experiences of neglect you know, where my parents um, were constantly just focused on themselves. And so the type of caretaking I needed to learn how to caretake myself that way was missing. And our partners can show us what's missing, but they can't fix that for us. So the job is not for my partner to then become that caretaker and become that parent role. The job is for me to look in the mirror of the relationship, look at the other and what I'm seeing is missing and do for myself what my parents didn't do for me. Because your partner is not here to be your parent and your caretaker. They can show us where we're not caretaking ourselves. And I think with the Saturn energy too, there's something karmic about that too, that empowerment of being and of service to yourself, being your own, um, parental authority figure, who's there to really lift yourself up. And this is so important. And this is a huge part of having a healthy relationship is being able to step into that role for yourself and certainly to not expect that of your partner. Um, So a lot of our unhealthy relationships manifest as a way to, uh, we see unhealthy dynamics with our partners in an effort to heal the separation we experienced from our parents as children, from our caregivers as children. And the responsibility does not lie on our partner to then be that parent for us. The responsibility is for them to hold space Well, we do the hard work of loving ourselves and that's it. Be a witness and to be, um, compassionate and unconditionally loving through it, but not to fix us. The only thing that's going to get us into loving shared partnership is looking inward and being our own best friend. And it is so hard. And again, we're not here to, to judge the struggle. It is so difficult. It's so frustrating and confusing. We must, however, meet that frustration with unconditional love, compassion, and clarity, because that's really the only way each of us is going to find a way to a healthy interdependent relationship. So when we're struggling with things like, um, our partner is overwhelmed by our wounds, um, or like doesn't understand our experiences, we must also look at their ability to understand their own experiences and to also know that when you're in a relationship 
where your partner can't meet your needs and you're thrown back up upon yourself, that's because you're meant to be there with yourself. You're meant to be there with yourself. Your partner is just a witness. They are not um, your savior. They're not your fixer. They're not your healer. And um, it's ugly business. <laughs> it's ugly business. You know, sometimes when your partner is extremely vulnerable and they're acting from their tantruming child side, you might not like what you see, you know? And we have to define for ourselves what behaviors we're willing to put up with in another person if it's part of an ongoing pattern that's not shifting or if it's part of a wound being made raw, you know? Um, I think... All of those things are case by case, but I think we know internally and we can feel that sense when there's a deep unhappiness, a deep um, unfulfilled sense in the relationship, a pattern that just keeps, you keep hitting your head against the wall with a certain pattern with a partner. And so we have to figure out what the appropriate boundary is for us to kind of leave a relationship or learn how to function in the relationship in a more healthy way. I'm going to continue this podcast tomorrow where we're talking about more of how to figure out if a relationship is going to um, find a healthy outlet or if it will remain in a perpetual unhealthy state. I'm going to talk more about that in part two, which is where we talk about helping relationships to be healthy and to stay healthy through our individual healing. Um, and, uh, and so this is a to be continued. I want to just note, I've extended my new rates discount. So I have new rates on my website and I'm offering 45% off with the coupon code new rates discount. And that is through the end of November. Um, just felt like the right time. I did it in September. I'm doing it in November. I tried to keep things where I'm available. And that's for my, um, my mystic life coaching, my psychic energy clearing, or my soul astrology readings. I work one-on-one -on -one with individuals. I have my office in Kingston, New York. Um, and, uh, I do also offer packages. So if you're interested in something like that, reach out to me. Uh, if you want to kind of create a package around the goals and the healing that you're doing in particular for yourself. And as I've always said, I've never, I, I am uh, not only someone who is a teacher now and a practitioner, but I am the student too. And I've experienced so much in the realm of healing and I've worked with many mentors and teachers and it has, it's been an investment for me and I've never regretted any investment that I've made into that. I've never regretted, um, I mean, I've regretted, regretted spending money, that's for sure, but never on, uh, things like working with, uh, people that have helped me deeply. So, um, yeah, reach out and I will link my website in the show notes and then stay tuned for part two coming tomorrow. Lots of love.